You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Well, hello. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023, and this is our 347th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, I am on location in Lower Manhattan at the world's most awarded pub with its impressive managing director, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. (laughs) First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we'll have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. And also, just to note for my regular listeners, I had a little rescheduling between the past week and next week, so uh, you can stay tuned. Next week, um, my guest is going to be chef and owner Selassie Atadika of Maduna, so um, stay tuned for that. Okay, so as the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to read the room. Pay attention to your audience, your clients, and your guests. Sure, it's good to have a plan and think ahead, but it's also important to think on your feet and be able to adapt, taking in your surroundings and observing others' body language in anticipation of their needs. So let's always be aware of what's going on around us and be flexible with our actions as it will help enable our growth opportunity and success. That's my tip today. Okay, I am thrilled to be on location with Jack McGarry. He is the managing partner of The Dead Rabbit, the world's most awarded pub located in Lower Manhattan. Jack is internationally known for his extensive historically-based beverage programs. Among his accolades, in July 2013, He was honored with the prestigious Tales of the Cocktail International Bartender of the Year Award, its youngest ever recipient, and only the second in America. The Dead Rabbit has received extensive acclaim since its opening in 2013, with highlights including taking the number one spot on the 2016 World's 50 Best Bars list, And there are so many more accolades to name, (laughs) but this is a 45-minute-ish show, so let's get started. Hi, Jack. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm thrilled to be here off hours-ish. Well, downstairs, you kind of have a little bit of a... Yeah, and the top room is open, and the top room is open from midday to 2 to 3 a.m., and the parlor, or second floor, opens at 5 o'clock, so yeah, we have a bit of... We have a bit of time until that rooms, but it's not quiet because there's people being crazy with ice and all, all of that good stuff. So well, I, like, I like a little background bar restaurant yeah, noise. Yeah. It, 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 makes it, light. it makes it uh, real life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, 
So speaking of real life, let's go back a bit. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about your background um, growing up in Ireland. Yeah. And and what led you into the bar business? Yeah. So I started. Well, I was born uh, 1989, the 1st of January 1989. I was the second baby born in Ireland that year. So I think I was born with a chip on my shoulder because the baby who was number one was was on the front page and I was in the corner, but uh, totally irrelevant. Um, so yeah, I was born in uh, in Belfast and in North Belfast, and that was during the time of the the troubles and the the sort of the civil conflict. And I grew up. I, I went through school, and I uh, I when I was in school, I I moved around a lot because of the the unrest, and and uh, I eventually got settled in a good school when I was about twelve or twelve or thirteen, and uh, it was. I, I moved, it was a big leap up going to this new school and I had done a chemistry exam and I did the chemistry exam and, and the teacher had read the results from the top person who did, who scored the top and, and right down to the bottom. And I came in dead last and uh, it was the third period that day and I remember leaving right after the, the, the teacher had read out the exams and uh, we had our break and I remember sitting there with my piece of toast or whatever it was and I, uh, I basically said that that was the last time I was ever going to let anybody say that I came last in anything, and that, and that's what sort of burned my desire to to be the best version of myself. So it was not a, obviously in reflection, not a great teaching moment because um, it's 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 like wrapped in shame. But I, I'm thankful for it in, in hindsight, and and I went on. I, I did well at school, but during my last couple of years at school, when I turned 15. I was constantly going to my mum and dad and asking for money, asking for a land of ten pounds or twenty pounds and or fifty pounds or or whatever it was. And and this particular time I'd asked for a brand new pair of shoes that were like a hundred pounds. And my mum and dad are working class. Um and they said my mum actually said, if you want something in life, you've got to go out and, and, and get it. And uh, she she was like, you need to get a job if you want all these things. Because you, you said back home to your parents, I want a land of 10, 20 pounds. But you were never paying it back. Um, so she had just had enough. So I, my, through the family, they ran a bar down the street from me. It was called the Hunting Lodge. And uh, it was just no, no thrills type of bar, pints and, and spirit mixers and that type of thing. And I got hired as a glass collector, um, cleaning ice trays and picking up glasses and filling fridges and what we would call a bar back now but uh yeah I started out and I loved the pace of it and uh I it was very quickly I knew that I could like when I my first day the the the, the bar manager said you're never going to be as good as the last bar back and it goes back to that sort of chemistry exam I was like well I'm going to show you how, how good so I just worked worked extremely hard but I loved the hustle and bustle um I, I love the social aspect I really come out of myself when I when I started in the industry and and then I just started hopping around bars with my cousin who ran the bar. He got other opportunities to to run bars in the city center. And uh, that was my first experience of cocktails. And I seen a guy, he was trained by a very famous Australian bartender called Marco Farone. So he was flown over from Australia to teach all of these bartenders in Belfast how to make cocktails because there was no cocktail scene at, at that time. And um, this this one fellow, Kieran Breen, was making a round of drinks for, for two sets of couples so two two fellas and two two women and uh he made these drinks and the way he moved and the way he was just in control and the the way that everybody was captivated by him and uh he sets these drinks down and, and they have a sip and they're just blown away their eyes light up and i was like wow that's incredible how like that was theater and then 
they got something and the, their whole experience with it. I thought it was just incredible how, how and how different it was from the the sort of commodity commodity pub thing where people just go in for a transactional pint versus that real experience and hospitality. And, and that's what really sucked me in. So I started working more with that guy and then that one thing begat another and I got an opportunity to work in the Merchant Hotel when I just turned 18 years old. Um, and because I, I decided like, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it to the absolute highest level. And the merchants at that time were bringing over the likes of Sasha and and uh, Gary Reagan and Dale DeGroff and Audrey Saunders. And I was like, I was doing really well at school and I was doing really well in the industry, but I decided at that point, like I can do this at the, the great level and I'm passionate about it. Um, when all my other friends were 17, 18 years old going out and getting hammered, I was sitting in the house reading Harry Craddock or, mm. or, uh, or Harry Johnson, you know, that's what I was doing. Um, and yeah, it just took off from there. So with a merchant, um, I, I worked with my my ex business partner. He we we separated our, last year, and uh, he basically gave me the platform to run the bar, where he focused on like the bigger vision and strategic side of things. And and after a couple of years, we won three tails of the cocktail one year, and then the following year, won world's best bar. And then it was during that time that we befriended an angel investor of the bar called Connor Allen. And uh, he was like, you guys need to come to, to New York and, and open a bar and, and open your version of, of the world's best bar, a bar that's not going to be here today and, and gone tomorrow. And that's what precipitated us bringing together our love of Irish pubs together with cocktail bars and then framing it in an Irish-American story, which is obviously the Dead Rabbit story. So, so yeah, it's been... That's obviously a super condensed version of, of my career, but uh, then the Dead Rabbit opened and, and obviously... The rest is the rest is history. You know, it was yeah. it's been it's been crazy ever since, and we're we're on the precipice of ten years old now, which is defies logic. It's crazy. I can't believe it's ten years. It's amazing. All right, we're done here. That's your whole story. That's like <laughs> wow. There was so much in that, and no, you have it down. And I mean, what I, mean, I just said so many thoughts with what motivates you, or what motivated you to yeah. to really go for it and and be the best you could be. And you've um, uh, so when so. When you set out to, to to come to the U.S., or was it particularly New York that you wanted to to come to? Oh like, yeah, it was always New York. It was always okay. New York. Yeah, because New York, in the eyes of the world, is like I know the capital of America is D.C. and people have this thing with L.A. and stuff. But as far as like a European is concerned, yeah. or an Irish person, New York is is where it's at. And New York was up until that point that we came over it was considered, and I still think it is to to a large degree. It's the cocktail capital of the world. You know, I know you've got those emerging markets now in Barcelona and Singapore and stuff, but but New York's very much still, in my opinion, and I'm, I'm obviously yeah. Barry Bass because I've been here now 12, 13 years. I still believe New York's New York's where it's at. You know, in terms of like the cocktail scene and the the the, hot, the, the bartenders and the culture, I thought I still think it's ahead of of everybody else. Yeah, I agree, and it's interesting you name those two cities because those are two cities I've been to, and when I was, and I've checked out the the cocktail scenes yeah. both of them actually when i was in singapore several years ago by myself and we'll get to this in a little bit but i don't drink alcohol yeah. and i went bar hopping yeah. because because it has a strong really strong um that's crazy yeah there. well it was one year they came they so. had like five bars in the top 15 or yeah, 20 so yeah. we we actually just got on a we got on a plane and we're like we need to go and check this out and completely blown away because it's very easy as you, you know yourself you're in your own bubble your own echo chamber and 
you think the sort of world spins around what, in New York, but once you get out and about in the world, you realize very quickly that it doesn't, which is a great thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, true. But I also relate with New York because I've, yeah. I moved here. I've been here since 98. Yeah. And yeah, there's oh, so you're a lifer. Well, I always think it's funny because I think about moving and then I'm like, I, yeah, don't, I probably, here, yeah, I'm probably a lifer. Yeah. Um, but okay, so, so, so talk a little bit about uh, the Dead Rabbit, yeah. like the, the people who don't know the history and yeah. why it is named that. Because also, side note, I've always had rabbits my whole life. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, I think I once mentioned it, I don't know, uh, maybe to a family member of mine, like, that's the name. And I'm like, I'm well, like, a lot of people. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's the name. It's yeah. an amazing, amazing best bar. Yeah. But um, yeah, it has nothing to yeah, do so with my little. No, my we're, little not, we're not, condo- we're not, we're uh, not condoning the slaughtering of, <laughs> of, uh, of animals. But a lot of people actually, when we, when we christened the bar, or baptized the bar, if you will, there was a lot of uh, flack about it. Um, and we had to, to to work through that, but the name goes back to a gang that was was uh, was in New York that was founded to basically protect Irish immigrants when they arrived over after the the uh, potato famine. So that's that's where the name comes from. It's based in the 19th century, and that movement that so you, you had two worlds coexisting in lower, well, you still have two worlds coexisting today with this inequality and stuff like that, but. You had the working men's because they were primarily men at that point. Um, the the working persons taverns and and Water Street, which were if you've been to McSorley's, it mm-hmm. was those type those types of bars, sawdust on the floor, pints, and completely de- debauch- debaucherous. Um, and then coexisting with that sort of squalor of of Water Street, you had the splendor of Lower Broadway. So that's where the first luxury hotel was, the City Hotel. You had Orzimus Willard. Who was the first celebrity bartender? Shed Sterling, Harry Johnson, Jerry Thomas. So you had this squalor and splendor. And there was one guy who was a one-time leader of the Dead Rabbit who transcended both those lives. And he was an Irish guy called John Morrison. He was a one-time leader of the Dead Rabbit. So we were like, that's the perfect, the perfect name. We wanted a name that basically explained that we were a pub because before the Dead Rabbit opened, the bars were dominating then. You would have had the likes of Milk and Honey, Death and Company, like Prohibition rules uh, 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 even the merchant before we left the merchant there was a set of stars that brought you up into the cocktail bar and see for normal belfast people those stars may as well have been mount everest because it was just so not ex- accessible so we wanted to really democratize um the the cocktail scene we wanted to do great pub, great pub and and great cocktails together and uh and but you can't just open a pub and a cocktail bar and have it not make sense so that's the reason why we called it the dead rabbit and there was that thread that brought it all together yeah. You know? No, it's a good, it's a, it makes sense. It's a yeah. good backstory. So talk about, so you, when you, when you opened and still today, you have, yeah. you have more than one concept in the same space because yes. you have the tap room, the parlor. And, and the occasional room. Yes. Yeah. The occasion room. Yeah. Well, so the, but that started, did that, that start later or those No, all, we did that right from the, the beginning. beginning. Yeah. Okay. So the bars in that time would have been, um, you would have had the tap room, which would have been. Again, these are not terms that I would use, but they would have been the more commoner room. That's where your beers and like your pub. So we basically meant the top room like our pub. The parlor would have been your more refined um, cocktail, like the, the cocktail lounge. And then the occasional room would have been what you use for events or occasions. Um, and the only other room that we were missing to be perfectly historically accurate would have been like an inn. So you would have had floors for people to stay. But obviously, you're not. we're, we're too small for that. 
Gotta um, buy the building. Yeah, so, well, we, we got the building next door, but we're still, okay. I don't want to get into the hotel business. Um, but, but yeah, so we started with that with the three rooms, and that's still very much a part of the New York story. So the downstairs is our, is our version of like the ultimate Irish pub, um, where we focus on food, authenticity, cocktails, our Guinness, our Irish whiskey, our Irish coffee, and, and, and speed. And then upstairs, we just take everything to a much higher level. Um, so we still we still have that obviously, but with us growing into New Orleans and Austin and, and afar, it's the top room that we're going to be scaling um, because we really want to change the conversation and the representation of Irish culture in America. A lot of it that I was actually speaking to Dave Andrews, who I'm sure you know, um, last week, and he called it leprechaun uh, leprechaun porn in terms of the representation of Irish culture in America. It's leprechauns top of the morning to you corned beef and cabbage it's but all of those things are not congruent with Irish culture and as you can see sitting in this room and, and walking through the other floors every single piece of art is from a contemporary Irish artist or photographer or printmaker or, or crafts we have a lot of the crafts on display here in the third floor and it's the same with the music it's the same with the, the, the beer the whiskey we want to make sure we're changing the conversation and authentically showcasing what Irish culture is about um, and that's a big thing for us as we grow because I'm petrified of, and it goes back to the point of the chemistry exam, I'm petrified of me mediocrity and I don't want to, when we grow, I don't want to lose the integrity of this place, the, the authenticity. So it's stuff like that we're really focusing on for our next 10 years, if, if, if that makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So 10 years. I know. Crazy, right? Yeah. Crazy. Time flies. Yeah, it's crazy because it depends what day you catch me. Some days I'm like, oh, God, I feel every every day of the 10 years or every year of the 10 years. And other days, like today, I'm like, I can't believe that that's 10 years because it just went like it went like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a lot to think back and, and absorb because we've, we've went through a lot of adversity. We've went through a lot of, like, difficult moments. But I'm glad because every single thing that happened made us ultimately better. Um, so... But it's been an incredible journey and they might the people that have come through our doors and, and team members and customers and like it's it's that's what the thing with Dead Rabbit and it sort of makes me almost uncomfortable having conversations like me being the one person to talk about it because to me Dead Rabbit is everybody owns a piece of Dead Rabbit, you know, through their experiences and the time that they've put in here and, and the ideas that they've imprinted and, and you know, so it's I'm just delighted to be to be a part of this Dead Rabbit community and I'm, I'm excited to to grow this community as, as as we get bigger into the other markets so it's it's an amazing time to look back and, and be thankful but while also paradoxically saying like as i just said the all, all the things that we're focusing on focusing on as we grow it's a great time for us to go right what are we doing for our next 10 years you know yeah so your next you're opening your next location is austin or new austin, orleans yeah, or so both Aust okay. well both but not at the same time so all, we're trying to keep like a cadence of six months okay between the stores to make sure we do it well um and we're we're overstacking. we're investing in the big things that we think are going to be critical for us growing so our leadership capabilities our cultural capabilities with our our, our team members um our operational effectiveness and, and infrastructure um, making sure we have the systems and process to facilitate the growth of the company and then also our marketing effectiveness. So obviously, you know, we work with, with Gia from Foxglove and we have a, an amazing creative partner based in Belfast called Crown Creative. So we have, we're investing heavily to make sure that when we grow, we have the right, everything's right as, as we get bigger. Um, and I'm sure we're missing something or we're making mistakes, but I very much like, I, I'm a, I like to test hypotheses and 
if it's not right, then we quickly move on to the to the next thing. But but yeah, Austin will be in the summer of this year. New Orleans will be at the back end of this year, and then we're looking at a cadence of two to three bars a year for the next five years. So it's it's pretty pretty aggressive and ambitious. But I think we've got an amazing opportunity with Dead Rabbit to really tell the story of what's happening in Ireland right now. Do you know when you come into the bar, you'll hear a uh, a Zambian immigrant who's based in Ireland singing R&B. You know, as opposed to you go into some of these so-called Irish bars in Times Square and you hear Dropkick Murphys on the on the <laughs> on the on the playlist, and there's there's like TV screens everywhere, and it's the shamrock and stuff. It's 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 completely not representative of what's going on in Ireland. So I'm incredibly passionate. Excuse me, I'm incredibly passionate about that version of Ireland and, and really demystifying. Like it's not just shamrocks and shillelaghs and and all of those things. There's a whole bunch of other great stuff that. That, that we wanna that we wanna showcase, and that actually goes back to the, what the Dead Rabbit Gang was created for. Because when the Irish immigrants moved over here at that time in the 19th century, they were the the like the Islamophobia of today. That was what the Irish experienced back then, you know, um, before they assimilated. So they they the Dead Rabbit Gang was created to protect and advance Irish immigrants. And and I look at what Dead Rabbit does is we're brand ambassadors for Ireland. You know, that's what we're really here. We're really here to, the temporary, like somebody that walks through your door, you walk through your door, you're coming to Ireland for an hour or two hours or three hours before you go into the craziness of New York or, or Austin or New Orleans. So I take that responsibility extremely seriously. Yeah, well, you do it. And I'm thinking that is, yeah. I was going to ask you why, like you've, you've gotten so many accolades, which I believe are very well deserved. But like, why do you think you've gotten all these accolades? Because I mean, I think it's because of your passion and yeah. what you're bringing. Uh, everything you just talked about, the yeah. authenticity of what you're doing. Yeah. I think it's because we're a bit nuts, you know. Um, <laughs> and I, and that's yeah. the, the other thing I yeah, was going to say. Uh, <laughs> I think anybody who achieves these things, yourself included, it's every it takes you to be a bit like you have to be a bit out there and obsessive and passionate and like you really care about something that somebody else doesn't really care about, but. That's that's what I'm all in on, and, and and that has changed and evolved over the years as it has for anybody else. When I first started in the industry, it was all about me. Like I wanted to be recognised. Again, it wasn't um, like without being objective fine or anything. It wasn't Palmer Anderson that I had on my wall when I was a kid. Like my friends, mm -hmm. it was it was the bartenders. It was Charles Vaxnet and Rich Hunt who were winning the best cup bartenders in England and and the UK. That was what I was. I, I wanted to be known as the as the best bartender in Europe or in in the world, and that was that's a very narcissistic, self-serving sort of goal. Like you, like I, I need this external recognition to validate who I am. And and when I when I won that award, I think I was 22 or 23, and uh, that's really like that's I'm seven years or no, not even four years into my cocktail career, and I had achieved the dream. And and I really. I realized coming off the stage, literally as soon as my feet hit the end of the stairs coming off the stage, I'm like, this is empty. Like, I feel absolutely nothing. Like, it, it was like I was chasing this thing and I got it. And then I'm like, what does this even mean? Yeah. And um, it, that sort of precipitated a spiral of, like, depression and anxiety. And and, uh, and obviously, I am uh, i don't drink like your, like yourself. And when I went through that whole process, I, I basically realized that the thing that I fell that I connected with, the thing that drove me all the way through my career is passion for excellence, for attention to detail, for for being all in and whatever we're, we're focused on. And and then that changed to 
excuse me, that change to becoming a great business, becoming a great, uh, uh, not being recognized as being the, the best bar, bartender in the world, but being the best the best place to work for in the world, making sure we're really looking after people, making sure that we've, we're, we're looking after the people of Ireland, we're telling the story right. So there's a lot of other like actually big things that are other focused instead of me focused that that's what gets me out of bed in, in the morning, you know, because it would be very easy at this point to say like the dead robber successful, just let it be and, and write that out and, until the end. But I, I, I genuinely don't believe we've even got, we've even scratched the surface yet, you know, so that's, that's what yeah. excites me. Yeah, well, I, I mean, just talking to you, I see it, I feel yeah. it, I hear it. It's it's what's in you, it's your passion, and it's <coughs> it's amazing what drives us. I mean, yeah. just listening to you, I'm thinking, like, what drives me? Because, yeah, yeah like, why do I do all this stuff I do and what, what, want to be the best I can be yeah. at it? Because it's something, like, in you. Yeah. I would, but, you know, talking about the, all the accolades you have gotten over the years, obviously, I mean, brings people in the door. And yeah, yet, absolutely. You know, like, absolutely. like, adds, like, yeah to get to 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 be here for 10 years and now to be expanding and yeah. like all of that like you know it's it's um it's, I, it's helpful yes it's that <laughs> i mean and that's the thing it's uh i get i like it's one of the things i struggle with in the, in the world today because everything's so like you're either this or you're that and mm -hmm. there's no where i'm very much i think i believe in part i believe like you can have one view that's contrary to another view, but you can be passionate about both, even though they don't make sense. Um, so I have a, I, I now have an ambivalent relationship for to, towards awards because of my experience with them. But that's not to say they, they have a great place and, and they shine a light on, on people and they elevate people and give people platforms. Um, and I, I believe it's all about how you, you utilize those platforms and doing it for, for good. And that's really what we're seeking to do now in terms of like, making sure we're really taking care of our people, making sure we're a good corporate or a good community citizen, a good, a well-behaved company, making sure that we're investing in, in what we believe in through our philanthropy, through our partnerships, through the art, like we're, 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 are basically the dead rabbit is lifting the tags that we're focused on, you know, what we're reg regimentally focused on. So, so yeah, awards have been great for that. You know, yeah, when we yeah. won the awards, our, our business went up, like we won more as best bar in 2016. And uh, it added a million dollars in, in revenue. Wow. But it also added a hell of a lot of problems because everybody's interpretation of the world's best is very different. You know, yeah. there's some person that's a five-star hotel bar. And if that five-star hotel bar comes to Dead Rabbit and they're like a pub, like Not a, a shitty Irish yeah. pub. Yeah, like, you know, so there was a dissonance, there was a dissonance there. And, um, but it ultimately forced us to be better because we had to get next door. We had to invest in food. We had to invest in a proper kitchen. We had to invest in training and, and onboarding and, and benefits and, and all of those things. So ultimately, again, I look at everything through the lens of even the worst, the, the worst of things when we had the fire, when the, when the coronavirus pandemic shot everything, I'm looking at it like, what can we do? How can we optimize this? How can we learn from this? And uh, thankfully, touch wood every time we've had one of those setbacks, I have come back better and the business has come back better. And, and yeah, that's all, I guess that's all you can do, but awards for sure. I'm not sitting here saying awards are important. Yeah, no, important. I know yeah. what you're saying at all. It's I, I yeah. get it yeah. completely makes sense. How are you celebrating your 10 years? You're doing like 10 days of festivities. Yeah. So as you know, yourself, a lot of these bars and restaurants when they have uh, and it's not the, the, the calm down on them, it's, it's, uh, they, 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 it's basically like let's get the gang back together and, mm -hmm. and celebrate the 10 years past 
And uh, to be honest, that's I we we've made a lot of mistakes in the, our first ten years. We've obviously made a lot of a lot more good decisions. Right. But I don't really want to focus on what we did the past ten years. I want to focus on what we're potentially going to do in the next ten years. And I wanted to use that as an as a moment to showcase like our pillars and and we identified all of this during the pandemic and and all of that so the 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 big thing for me is celebrating the authenticity of ireland through this next 10 days so we're bringing over five artists from ireland two comedians we're having guinness sessions with the 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 american brand ambassador for guinness so everybody gets to know how to pour a perfect pint we're having irish whiskey sessions with with irish whiskey experts we are bringing the best bar in ireland the best cocktail bar in ireland called bar 1661 they're coming and taking over the parlor for four days. We've never done that before. Um, so we're doing a lot of these events that are celebrating the leading edge of Irish culture. Um, and I love that's, it. yeah, and that's, yeah. The, that's what we, we're going to be like, that's the taste of the type of things that we're going to be spreading as, as, as we grow. So I'm looking at it very much as a, as a future focused, like here's what the next 10 years is going to look like. While obviously saying thank you to everybody that's been part of our journey, of, of course. Um, we're also doing a panel. Um, uh, talking about what's go- what the industry is going to look like in the next ten years. You know, I, I think we, as an industry, you, you see these things about Noma and suicides, and in this industry, you see, like you see people talking about uh, the tipped minimum wage, the the lack of healthcare. You, you see these things. I think we need to start talking about these things. We need to figure out how we can we can be better and make this industry more inclusive, more professional, and, and remove like. We've got past the point now of talking about here's how to make a great old fashioned. We need to talk about how do we be great businesses, how do we be be great great uh, like strategists, how do we how do we walk or talk? We need to we need to wrestle with those bigger issues. Um, so I'm excited for for to celebrate everything that we're focused on, whilst also talking about the difficult things because um, that's the stuff that we're wrestling with. We're wrestling with. Uh, in the next month to, to two months, we're launching and implementing our healthcare program. We're we're talking about like all of these big societal things. We're trying to figure out how do we do this well. We're, we've launched our philanthropy arm, which we've uh, set aside forty thousand dollars already, and we're not even out of Q1 yet. Um, so I'm I'm excited for the success of Dan or Dead Rabbit to benefit everybody, you know, and and yeah. wrestle with these big problems because. If you need to, we need to figure them out. You know, there's too many people dying. There's too much. There's too much toxicity, and we need to. We need to figure it out. I think that's really amazing. Yeah. You're doing that, and it is so important. And that to have to be having those conversations. Yeah. And so, yeah, kudos to you for doing that because I think we need that. Yeah. And I, I feel, I feel it will, should be well, well recepted because I feel. People want to talk, and yeah. they, you know we we need to be talking. A hundred percent. So, um, and thankfully, it's not just it's you're you're doing everybody's doing their part now, and I think we've reached a point where it's like, yeah. or the, to use Mal- Malcolm Gladwell as a tipping point. I don't know if we're at the tipping point, but I think every every month or every like there's a, a, a I didn't know this guy, but he was obviously part of our industry family, but uh, he passed away in in Miami. We're seeing again. I don't know the, the, the what what happened there, but we're seeing too many people that are young passing away um and we 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 need to figure this out you know it's it's not good no it's not and but you're having these conversations and being someone you know a leader in the industry doing that i think it's it's i I give you a lot of credit and i look forward to attending these these events (laughs) panels 
parties you do. I did. I did get a little taste of, of. Um, hey, you're here how, for uh, Jingle Jangle. Yeah, yeah your celebratory holiday yeah. party, and the. I feel your space is already so warm and welcoming yeah. and fun and festive in itself, but it was like so festive. Oh, it was and unreal. Fabulous. It was on. We're excited to. Yeah. So for the. The listeners, we launched our first ever uh, Irish Christmas pop-up, if, if you will, um, because we're keen to develop like a, a, a universe of Irish concepts that, that celebrate different parts of our culture. So obviously Christmas is a big part, and I don't mean Christmas within the context of religion. I'm not a religious person whatsoever, but I love the uh, the, 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 the gatherness, the, the, the generosity, the goodwill. And uh, it's a big part of our culture in terms of coming together and uh, giving to others and, and all of that type of stuff. So we wanted to showcase a bit of that and not do a kitschy or a, a, a synthetic Christmas pop-up because you're seeing a lot of that traveling over. So we did. We, we launched it. We raised, uh, I think we raised $20,000 for another round, another rally, who are doing wow. really incredible work. That's amazing. Um, and we're excited to, to make it even better next year. So it's, it's, it's exciting. That is exciting. All right. Well, very cool. Looking forward to all that. And actually, before I, well, I won't forget to mention it, but I have your your book here, The yeah. Dead Rabbit. I yeah. brought my copy in because I want to. I want a signed copy because <laughs> um, you've also done books. Yeah. So we've five. I think five. So we've the drinks manual, which tells the story of how we got open. We have Barley to Blarney, which tells the story of the Irish whiskey distilleries and the pubs in the different provinces of Ireland, um, which is a great book. We have a book called Mixology and Mayhem which is about our R&D process and how we create menus. We have a book about um, the Irish coffee um, when whiskey met its match, so the, the definitive uh, story on the on the history of the Irish coffee. And I'm missing one. But, well, yeah, we've lots of books. So it's hi. great. So That's I'm a glad. lot. Yeah, yeah no, it's awesome. I, yeah. love, I love my coffee. And, um, yeah. So after the show i'm getting a signature hopefully okay (laughs) let's take a little break and we will come back and we'll play my speed round talk some industry news i have my solo dining experience and the final question so stay with us this is all in the industry on heritage radio network this episode is brought to you by wisconsin cheese there's a reason when you think of wisconsin you think cheese cheese is a huge part of wisconsin's history and future In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Jack McGarry. He's the managing director of the Dead Rabbit in New York City, the world's most awarded pub, which is quite <laughs> something. And we are here on location, and it's time for my speed round game. Okay. So what this is, is I'm going to name a couple things, and you get to pick your preference, awesome. such as chocolate or vanilla. Cool. Is that the first one? That's the test one. Okay. You can uh, answer vanilla. it if you like. Vanilla. Yeah. All right. 
Good to know. Here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant? Eat out at a restaurant. Indoor dining or alfresco dining? Indoor dining. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Uh, mocktail, I guess, yeah. Mocktail, yeah. no one likes the word mocktail. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah spurred for, I, I prefer spurred, I think uh, Julian Mimose came up with spurred for a year. Spare free, zero yeah. proof. Zero, like something that's yeah. not, because I think mock's like got a negative connotation to it, doesn't it? It does. Anyway, yeah. No, it does, and I've I, it, that's come up on the show before yeah. when I've said it. It rhymes with cocktail, and it goes with, with I'm kind of going with the flow. Yeah. But you're not. It's not the first time yeah. um, I've considered using another yeah. word. <laughs> I think I think we'll create a word ultimately that's better than that, like it rhymes with tail, but it's not mocktail. Yeah. But uh, irrespective. Yeah. Mocktail is my would be my choice. So. I like seeing on menus now because a lot of menus, and yeah. I'm happy to see that they're putting zero proof sections. Yeah. Or and I always like seeing the the words they use because yeah. some of them are very creative. You know, I think we use spirit free. Or I, yeah. I think so. Spiritless, I've seen too. Yes, yeah, some. I I, I think because we have we have four drink or three or four drinks in the top room, and then the uh, we have a hand or a handful in the parlor. And I, the guys are actually working on the uh, next part of menu, which is basically going to make that each drink can be made with spirit or without. Um, because, again, that's where, to use a hockey metaphor, that's where the puck's going. So we need, and obviously yeah. we're both, we both don't drink, but I, when I go out, I'm not a big, I don't actually drink a lot of, which is, I, I guess I'm idiosyncratic. I don't really go out and drink. When I go out and drink, I drink Diet Coke. Diet Coke's my thing or, or soda water or whatever. But Yeah, I've drank a lot of water and, and club soda. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll get back to the game, but I'll just, I'll say this. I'll give you, give you a little hard time. I came in here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the, the parlor. I had, I came by myself many years ago. It probably was like your year two, let's say. Yeah, so and we definitely didn't have none. You had drinks. this giant, no, you had, you had this, you probably still have this giant book of drinks. Or we you, did. You oh, did. so you came in right at the beginning. Okay. So the, like, the menu. The, the, Maybe yeah, it was yeah. like within the first. But anyways, it was yeah. this giant book of drinks. And there was live music, the piano and the vibe yeah, and everything yeah. was great. And I was so happy to be here. There was one non-alcoholic drink yeah. in this book, this like Bible. Yeah. And that's what I got. And I remember it came in a gorgeous teacup. It did, yeah. And I really enjoyed it. But if my memory serves me right, there was no, one. No, you're right there. So we had it. We actually had a category and it's when you think back now, it's like it's terrible when you go back and look at your own old work because you're almost embarrassed. But our first menu was a beautiful piece. It was fantastic. But the actual category, I, I used categories. Yeah. yeah, I used, I used uh, categories of drinks pre-cocktail because cocktail, as you know, is one style of drink in, in the universe of mixed drinks. So when we opened, we, we celebrated the punch because it's it's the 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 drink right, that started it all right, right. and then we celebrated the sours and fixes and daisies all these other drinks that came off the back of the punch basically individualized portions of punch but we also did a section called eggnogs flips and possets which again people knew um, about but nobody but everybody's like what the hell's a posset <laughs> and uh what else we did uh educate people daisies with the mustache cups um but the, to to your point the the, the non-alcoholic section at the back of the menu, because I, I use terminology that I picked up from all of the research that we did for books in the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries. And a lot of these books, when it came to the non-alc part, or the parts that were like low alcohol, they called them diverse and invalid in, in drinks. So that's actually what the category, the category that it was called diverse and invalid. 
So when I look when I look back to that now I, again that invalid I'm like that's very that's a very negative you know because you're basically invalidating somebody like you're basically saying these are just they're throwaways they're 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 token gestures you know. Well, it's interesting because we will talk about it when we in my industry news more about this, but it's. I mean, I I stopped drinking 20 years ago, yeah. so, wow. so yeah, it's a, been a long, long it's been a long time yeah. that I've and so it's very interesting to see what's happening now yeah. with people really embracing zero proof yeah. non alcoholic drinks yeah. and what's and and I'm all for it, but it's like it's yeah. So 10 years ago, it wasn't very common. I was probably your only customer coming yeah. or one of many few coming it's in still, here it's still not a big seller which we so we we add a lot of stuff in but uh it still doesn't sell a lot and i don't know whether you know i don't really like the way the industry is going in terms of i i don't like fragmentation because you're seeing this like non-alcoholic bars and alcoholic bars where i'm yeah. like a, to me a bar and i'm not having to go with non-alcoholic bars because they're providing or, there's people that I am friends with are very triggered. And like, if they seen a bottle of liquor, they'd be yeah. very triggered. And I, I fully understand that. And it's great that they have a space that they can go to. And I, I, yeah. but I, I think the spirit free movement, and this is happening, um, thankfully, but I think that they're, they're binary. Um, they should be like the pub to me is a third place. Uh, it's a great book I've read by, uh, uh, Ray Oldenburg, that's called a great good place. He talked about the first place being the home place. The second place being the workplace, and then the third place is somewhere you go to rejuvenate or or connect or socialize. And to some people, that's church or or the gym, or but to a lot of us, it's bars and restaurants. Um, and that we like my whole thing with being a pub publican or a pub owner or whatever you want to call it is my, my whole philosophy is to make the table bigger. So I, if somebody doesn't drink or for for whatever reason, I'm like. And if they're not triggered, or if there's not another reason, I'm like, come on in, like, well, let's yeah. let's figure it out. So it's great that we have all of these options now, um, and and long may it continue. But we're still the we're not the, the the you're bringing in these products and they're not they're not moving quickly. But you still have to do it. And I believe that, as I said, the puck's going in that direction, and we need we need to keep pushing it. And like I lo- I love personally non uh non alcoholic beers. Um, I like the uh, Heineken Double Zero when Guinness released their Double Zero, that because that's like I, I have romantic memories of drinking with my father pints yeah. of Guinness, and I was able to do that the last time I was home with the with the Double Zero. Um, you know, so it's it's great that we're we're getting to that place. I agree, actually, with everything yeah. you said. Personal, I mean, personally, yeah. because um, yeah, I know you said it very well, but I because I I mean. I think it's I think it's wonderful. There's now these spaces that are are non-alcoholic yeah. bars. Yeah. But I I personally still I'm good with I want to come to yeah. I want I'm good with other people drinking alcohol. Yeah. It doesn't mean I have to drink it. Yeah. Doesn't mean they don't have to drink yeah. it. We can all just be together exactly. in, in space if you're comfortable with yeah. it. So it's good. Yeah. It's great. We there's opportunities and new spaces now, yeah. and it's really it is it's a it, I think it's it's. I mean, it's time, yeah. you know, it's, it's 100%. taken a long time for this to yeah. get to where it is now, but, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, okay. Well, well, you talk, <laughs> let me get back to the game. Cause that was like the longest, um, break through the game, but Hey man, there's no rules, no rules to this show. Okay. Um, where were we? We were next one is tasting menu or a la carte. Tasting menu. 
Small plates or large plates? Uh, large plates. <laughs> my wife, my wife would laugh at that question because she, my wife loves sharing and I like, I've been working in this industry for so long, as soon as food is put in front of me, it evaporates. Yeah. I'm a fast eater, so small plates has never worked. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good reasoning <laughs> for that. Okay, um, communal table or chef's counter? Uh, communal table. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? So, I want to be all-inclusive charge, but the tipping is obviously right now, but I would like to, and that's part of the conversation we're going to have with the panel next week. I think we need to get away from tipping. Yeah. But I, I struggle with that because as one bar, like we're tipping in Dead Rabbit for full transparency because anybody that has actually tried to do this, it's just never, it's, you lose half of your team or we need to do something about it, both from a, from a collective bar and restaurant side of things, but also from a regu regulatory perspective, the, the 80-20 law in, um, in, in New York is very difficult because you can only tip people who are directly involved in service, where you can't pass, a, you can't put those tips towards the back of the house. So it just, it creates a really unequal dyna dynamic. Um, so yeah, I would say all inclusive and I'm European yeah, yeah. because, and that's like, I have that background, but, uh, but yeah, that's where we are. And I, I'm excited. And I hope 10 years down the road when we have this conversation that Dead Rabbit is an all-inclusive model. But I, I, yeah. again, it's you're swimming against the tide at the moment because you're disadvantaged if you do it from a competitive standpoint. So you're like in a cat, it's a catch-22. Yeah, you know? that's my trickiest one in this game. And it's always people have a, you know, it's a, it's, yeah. it's a, it's, it's a bigger conversation. It is, so, yeah. um, and I think people, it's a great are, question. It's a great yeah, question. people are trying, yeah. I think people want to, yeah. Everyone kind of wants to find a, buy, find yeah. a better solution <laughs> and fix, fix it. And, and it's like, it's, it's, yeah. it's challenging. It is. And again, I've seen Danny Meyer. Um, I've seen a lot of great people do it. And um, it but, just, it, it's, it's, it's had. Yeah, but Danny on, went back. I know. So that's I know. The thing. And, and Dan I, I Danny's wanna, Danny, you know. So I don't want to be the guy that starts it and then stops yeah. it. I want to be like when we're doing this healthcare stuff, when we do it. Because we had to figure that out from an economic perspective, where uh, where are we get where are we finding that money to, to subsidize the 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 healthcare? So our team members are only paying twenty bucks or thirty bucks a week out of their pay, as opposed to hundreds of bucks because they don't have the, the they don't have crazy disposable income. Um, so it's a big it's part of that. It's part. I, I'm excited to do all of this through the panel, to be honest with you, because it's. I feel like our industry. I remember when uh, when we were starting to reopen again after, or not after the pandemic is still here, but um, I remember listening to a lot of owners and saying like they can't get people and they couldn't understand why they couldn't. Like thankfully, Dead Rabbit never experienced that, but they couldn't understand why they can't hire people. I'm like, well, of course they can understand. You know, they're not getting healthcare. Yeah. They got fired at the drop of a hat. They were the first one out. No job security. No benefits. No, like. Amazon is offering this stuff. I'm not saying Amazon's a great comp company, by the way, because I know they have their own issues, but like other companies are offering this and they're going to different industries. That's mm -hmm. what's happening yeah, here. Yeah. You know, so like, it. it's very yeah. it's very clear to me why it's becoming harder and harder. And, and ultimately we need to change to sustain ourselves or or it's gonna continue to, it's gonna continue to be a struggle. Yes, yes. Conversations to have. Yeah. <laughs> okay, a few more. I have 
Guinness Black and Tan, or we'll throw in what was the you, what's your non-alcoholic? You like the zero? The Guinness Double Zero. Guinness Double Zero. Yeah. I also wrote down Athletic Brewing Company, which I've tried. They're really good. Yeah, beers, it's really and they're good. very good. Yeah. But and there's another one in the UK that's really good. Lucky Saint. They they've released a beer that's that's awesome, but um. Listen, I love Guinness, so it's yeah. going to be Guinness Double Zero. But even I should uh, try that. I yeah, tried it's it. really good. It's actually particularly good on the draft. So right now, it's not on draft in America because they're still the, to have it on draft. You need to clean the lines every three days or four days, as opposed to every two or three weeks, yeah. because obviously the alcohol serves as a it kills like yeast buildup and stuff like that. Whereas with no alcohol, it's not killing the yeast. So the yeast they're having difficulty stabilizing it and keeping it clean. Dead Rabbit is an extremely clean bar, so we actually contacted Guinness saying, we will do whatever, like we will pay for somebody to come out every three days to clean that line to serve it because they think a lot of people would come to, to drink the non-alcoholic, you know. You got one customer yeah. here. And I would be the other customer. <laughs> you know, right, right. There you go, just um, save me a stool. So we're, we're, we're figuring it out, but the one on draft is like drinking the pint of Guinness. I, I love Guinness, like I, I love Guinness served well. Um, even... It's crazy. Yeah. Like I follow Guinness accounts that they there's one one handle called Beautiful Pints, and I don't I don't drink Guinness obviously, but I I love the look of a perfectly poured pint of Guinness. It it's just it brings me right back home. It's know? a beauty. And back in the day when I did drink, I didn't yeah. drink. I I liked beer a lot, but and I would have a black and tan or yeah. a Guinness every once in a while, and yeah. it was like it's like it was kind of like dessert milkshake. Yeah. Well, it look kind of looks like yeah. you know the foam, little milkshake. Yeah. But um, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. <laughs> Okay, my last three. I got shaken or stirred. So when I drank, it was stirred for sure. I loved martinis. Um, I particularly love martinis. I loved the fifty-fifty. That was my my uh, my my day my day-to-day cocktail. Okay. Um, so I would definitely say stirred for me personally. Stirred. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert all day long. <laughs> Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Belfast? Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Belfast? I would say I. That's oh, a tough one. Um, I am extremely patriotic, as I'm sure you've picked up on, and I love my hometown. Um, so I'm torn on that. Like I, 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 I love Belfast, um, but I also love I also you. love Amer- America too. Um, <laughs> for all for all its warts and its okay. its idiosyncrasies, but uh, I would be a, that'd be a Thai one. So say. if I went Manhattan or Brooklyn, are you Manhattan? Manhattan because you're here. Yeah, okay. I would say Manhattan. I've, I've lived my whole life in Manhattan, so. Or my whole American life, yeah, uh, except yeah. for I moved to uh, I moved to Paramus uh, last year, uh, November of last <laughs> year. Not because in the game. We can't. Uh, no, <laughs> no yeah, I, I wouldn't. Pick, I wouldn't be picking Paramus. <laughs> I love I love our house, and but uh, you uh, you couldn't like you can't bring a kid up in Manhattan unless you're like a multimillionaire, which I'm, which I'm definitely not. Yeah. Nor, nor do I really want to be either. I don't really. I love that we have a, a back garden and a detached house, and the kids have plenty of room. So. Um, so I'm glad to still be close enough to consider myself a New Yorker, but far enough away that I don't have to live in the madness every day. All good reasons. Okay. That's the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's like, it's so good talking to you. And, and, uh, the, the article I had for industry news was related to what we've been talking about. This just came out in the guardian and it's entitled liquor stores are so 
2019. Welcome to the age of the non-alcoholic bottle shop. And this was by Lois Beckett. So this, I mean, this this article particularly was talking about what's happening in Los Angeles with these zero-proof bottle shops opening. Yeah. And um, we've been seeing it, I mean, in New York. In the, in the there's place one mentioned, in New York, isn't there? Well, Bosan, there's a couple, but yeah. the one, and it's mentioned in this article, Bosan, is um, they've, they've been expanding rapidly, and it's a beautiful non-alcoholic uh, spirit store and yeah. it ha- they have so many i mean it just the what well, the market is exploding it's with crazy. the amount of it's products crazy, now yeah. available yeah. um that do not have booze in them that i i feel i'm i feel as someone that doesn't drink like i'm behind in trying oh absolutely <laughs> so many and things. i love i love the proliferation of products because i feel like the new generation of the normal uh industry are not trying to be a non-alcoholic vodka or a non-alcoholic gin or whiskey. They're trying to create flavors and experiences that are unique in and of themselves. Um, we work a lot with a company, uh, I think they're based in England, uh, Three Spirits, and they, yeah, they, yeah. They, they they don't really try to be like a non-alcoholic vermouth or a non-alcoholic. So I think it's I, I, there's pros and cons because obviously non-alcoholic beer. Like I, I would be hypocritical because I just have wax lyrical about. Guinness right. double zero, but it's very difficult. I think saying non-alcoholic gin, you know, it's very. I haven't. I ha, I don't I haven't tried products that like, like it's gin. That the, what makes spirits to spirit is that viscosity and the alcohol component. Whereas I, a lot of these new entrants that are coming in and they're just being themselves as opposed to trying to be in a non-variant of something. It's the same. I was vegetarian and vegan for two years, and I I didn't get these non like the meat thing. Yeah. I'm like you either do it or you're like. But again, I'm also a very extreme thinker, so. Well, I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like when Seedlip was introduced, yeah. it was sort of marketed that way yeah. as being, I don't want to use a replacement, but yeah. kind of gin-like, yeah. but non-alcoholic. Yeah. You know, a substitute. I think so, yeah. But I, and I, I think they're all moving towards, well, most of them are moving towards like they are what they are, yeah. And they can stand on their own two some feet. Some are like ready to yeah. drink products, yeah. and yeah. then some are mixers, like yes. your Gia. Yeah. Or I mean, there's there. I have tried. I mean, as there's just it's been an explosion, yeah. and I have tried quite a few. But there's also been a lot of celebrities getting in the yeah, game. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, they was, always come in at some point. Yeah, I was just out <laughs> the other night, and I had the ginger beer that I didn't realize it was um, Blake Lively's. Um, right. And it was it was very nice. And somebody's doing one. Uh, we got uh, Ken is from one of these. Uh, um, uh, Katie um, Katy Perry has yeah. something. Yeah. Um, I think everybody. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I think uh, Bella had. Bella Hadid. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So it's just it's crazy. But I mean, they're perfect people to promote the product. Yeah. Obviously, but and I've heard good things yeah. about. Yeah. Um, I want to try Katy Perry's, yeah. what yeah. she has. I heard. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm not, it's having the celebrity background um, or, you know, be a celebrity definitely, definitely helps in getting your marketing out there. Um, But the product also has to stand on its own two feet. Yeah, exactly. Like I've tried Kin and there's products like that that actually do stand on their own two feet. So I'm fully uh, supportive of of those types of things. And obviously you're penetrating mainstream media when these people are throwing their weight behind it. So I think ultimately it's a... It's a step in there. It's like even though we, we like that whole like uh, obsessing obsessive nature of celebrities in America, it still mystifies me. But um, if it's if it if it continues the conversation, then it's yeah. ultimately a good thing. You don't have that as much in in Ireland. I think I think I mean, it's I think it's I think it's, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's universal. Um, 
Yeah, probably. But, but America, it seems to be like a fa- like it's a fetishized. Like these mm-hmm. people are putting these crazy. Do you know? Is it just people? Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's, like it's just because it's you made a great song. You made a great song, or you're in a good movie, or something. It's, it doesn't give you anything. To me, that's not doesn't give you any platform. It's all about how you use the platform. Yeah. Um, and I'm long in it. Like I've been in this industry now. What am I? Thirty four. So I'm in this industry not far off twenty years myself, and I've met a bunch of these people and. Some like to be fair, some of them are really good people, but there's a lot of assholes. I'm sorry to be crude. No, but I didn't realize about your age. So you started, you opened at 24, a Dead Rabbit ish. Dead Rabbit, I, we opened at 23. 23. 23. Oh, see, wow. Yeah. That's I won, amazing. I won the Tales of the Cocktail Award at 23. Yeah, but I, I, I don't. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I think it's a good thing and a bad thing. As soon as something, and I'm sure if you spoke to some of my colleagues and the leadership team, it drives them nuts. Um, because as soon as something is achieved, it's like, and it's it's a weakness. It's like I, it's something I have to work on. But I I'm like right, cool, done, and then I go straight towards the, the next thing. So I I struggle in moments to sit down and go, that's pretty cool. You should be proud. Like I don't do pat patting myself on the back. Yeah. Well, you know, which I think you should. Uh, there should be. Um, I need to get better at making space from saying like, well, like, great job, but uh, it's not something I'm strong at. <laughs> being, yeah, but uh, being, I don't know, being humble and being like, I mean, you're you're proud of all your accomplishments, yeah. but you're not, you're not like, I, being uh, being someone who brags, I don't yeah. think is, is, is like the best no. quality to have. So yeah. stay, keep doing it. Yeah, we're all works in progress. Just win all the awards, but like, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, okay, a couple of things. So I just, I, while we were talking about this subject, I just make note of a couple of other articles if people want to check out. On liquor.com, there was an article called Can Sobriety Make a Better Bartender? Uh, for many in the industry, taking stock of their drinking habits has improved not just their personal, but their professional lives. And that was by Carolyn Hatchett. There was another article in the New York Times entitled Dry January, New Bars Cater to the Sober Curious, which was what yeah. we were talking about. Um, and this... You know, I forget. I for, I forget in my career things I've done. I've written a few articles along the way, and I went back just the other night and I found it on my computer. In two thousand nine, I wrote a piece for Food and Beverage magazine, and it's entitled "Are We Done Mocking Mocktails?" And <laughs> in it, I I have quotes from Ryan Majerian, from Tony Abuganin, from Joaquin Simo. Like I was, I remember going to Death and Company, and like I don't know, I was on a mission Amazing. to kind of talk about mocktails, yeah. and do, but no, people weren't ready. Yeah. For my piece, yeah, well, but back I, two, I did write that in 2009. I remember the type of drinks that you were probably ubiquitous back then were like a homemade ginger beer or a cucumber and lemon. Do you know what's that? Yeah. I'm so glad now that we're past the point where there's a level of consideration and consciousness is going towards spirit-free drinks or non-alcohol, yes. whatever you're calling them, that, that would go to an alcohol drink. So that's that. It, putting everything else aside, the fact that there's that deliberateness I think is phenomenal. I think one hundred percent, and and also you talk, you talk a bit about the bottom line or like what sells. But I am so much more likely if I see a a, a well thought out drink yeah. on a on a cocktail, you know, non alcoholic list um, that someone put the time in and and as as a drink of choice, I will more likely to order that than to be for a bartender to be like, oh, well, I can, I can make you something, yeah. which I've done in the past. And it's just, those can be hit or miss because yeah. they're winging it. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, and the drinks are always very. It's with these other spirits now. They we can use the the, the new ingredients to replace the base spirit and use the same formulas to make cocktails so tasty. Whereas before seed lip or before three spirits or before the, the, the mountain of other uh, brands, the multitude of other brands, the, what bartenders did was basically double the amount of citrus and double the amount of sugar. Yeah. And the drinks were just the so balance. heavy. They were so heavy. So yeah. it's, it's, I'm with you. It's, it, it, it's, it's phenomenal that we're in a place now where you can, you can look at a menu and go, yes, that's somebody that's actually trying trying to do something good there um so it's good and i'm excited to see it continue to develop yeah me too i have another tie-in to to this conversation i have a special offer for my listeners and it's from my friends at curious elixirs which is a booze-free craft elixirs and spirits infused with herbs and adaptogens to help you or your guests unwind and improve your bottom line so you can get a free sample box of curious elixirs on their website CuriousElixirs.com with the code all in the industry, all one word, all caps. And um, this is good for the first 100 people to use it for 100% off of your first purchase. And um, it's a free tasting flight of Curious, which I'm a huge fan of. And um, go check it out. Uh, just go to CuriousElixirs.com. So there you go. And one more announcement it's the 14th annual Taste Awards. And this show, my show, All in the Industry, has been nominated for three Taste Awards. The Viewer's Choice for Best Food or Drink Radio Broadcast, Viewer's Choice for Best Food or Drink Podcast, and Viewer's Choice for Best Single Topic Series. Woohoo! That's so, awesome. <laughs> thank you. So, if um, you... Uh, you know, you're a viewer or a listener, I should say. So if you get a chance, I would appreciate it if you can go vote. And um, the link is on, if you go to my my Instagram page, at all industry, um, there's a link to it. And voting goes through fe- February 17th. And these are, yeah, these are viewers' choice, listeners' choice. So um, I would appreciate any support because it would be fun to win. <laughs> best, of, best of luck. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Time for my solo dining experience. So this week, it's at the Four Horsemen. Here's the rundown. The location, 295 Grand Street, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York City. The concept. It's a restaurant and wine bar serving small plates on a constantly evolving menu in in snug digs. It's known for its world-renowned natural wine list. Of other products <laughs> in the industry, have you been to? I think I actually Horsemen? have been to this place. I, used, I lived in Williamsburg for uh, for one year. I tried. I left Manhattan for a year, and uh, went to Brooklyn, thinking that it would be more uh, uh, financially friendly. And I ended up spending more money in Williamsburg than uh, I did that's in Manhattan. Funny. So, yeah. Well, this place. I mean, so so why did I go? Well, it's been a it's been a few years since I went, and yeah. it's a popular industry place. And I, I felt due to go back. The owners are LCD Sound Systems. James Murphy, his wife Christina Topsoy, natural wine expert Katrina Birchmeyer, and wine director Justin Cherneau. So there, I remember when they opened, they had I mean because celebrity yeah. connection there, yeah. like got a, got got some press on that. So my experience. So this was. About a week ago, on a Friday, I, I went out to Williamsburg. I kind of made a day of it. I went first to Kafar for lunch, which is at the Hoxton Hotel. And this is Michael Solomonoff and the Boko's uh, restaurant group's um, 
new spot. And okay. I'd been to Kfar in Philly, and it was great. So I wanted to go, and um, I had lunch there, and Michael was there, and Michael's in my upcoming book, Chef Wise. And so it was really cool. I got to see him. And then I worked from the lobby all day after. And then I walked over to uh, the Four Horsemen, which is more in the south part of Williamsburg. Yeah. And it's a very hard place to get into. They take reservations, but it's like every time I've looked, it's there's none yeah. available. And as a solo person, I don't even think they take them for single diners. So walk-in is the way to go. And yeah. I my timing was good. Someone had just gotten up from the bar. They have like this little bar up front, like the horseshoe bar, um, which is, it's a small restaurant. Yeah. So like half the restaurant's the bar yeah, up front. Yeah, I remember the small, the it was small, yeah. And a little open kitchen. Yeah. So a spot opened up. I took it and I had a nice time. I had dinner. So I'll tell you what I got. I got... They had a non-alcoholic wine called Murray Yamil, which I hadn't had before. A beautiful bottle, and it said raspberry, smoked, rhubarb, and sparkling. And I loved it. That's, that's awesome. I loved it. I looked it up online. It is on, on stores like Boson, and yeah. it was be something I would definitely have at home. Um, so that was cool. They introduced that to me. And then to eat, I got the Cape Cod scallop, which had leche de Tegre and Dacon radish. I got monkfish liver, liver with naboshi dashi, onion agrigolche, and horseradish. I got a celery salad, which is like the second time on this podcast <laughs> I've been talking about celery salads because I had one out in Oakland. Celery salad's becoming like my new favorite thing. Wow. It's yes, good. I'm, I am not well, a big lover of celery. So. It's me either, but it's like, <laughs> it doesn't sound, I don't think it sounds very like. Yeah like jump off the page I need to get. Yeah. But they like shave this cheese on top. It's really quite delicious. I've now yeah, had two. cheese, I'm in. But my, my yeah. wife every morning, she uh, juices celery. So it's like, that's what I just, oh, okay. I don't have a great <laughs> Okay, well maybe skip that. Yeah. But the other things I got, and the thing, the then I got dessert. I got the sticky toffee pudding with soft what? whipped cream. And I have to say, to die for. Like I, I took the rest I didn't finish it. I took it home with me, and the next day, with coffee and my Amazing. breakfast, I had the so rest I'm of my sticky, cake. Uh, I'm a sticky toffee connoisseur, so I'll definitely have oh to Oh, my God. You have to try yeah. it. Yeah. Honestly, it was one of my favorite desserts that I can the remember. The Hawks does a beautiful uh, sticky toffee pudding. Oh, good I don't to know. know. Yeah, I've fantastic. been there once. Yeah, I've been the, there the once. Sticky well, they're, they're a British, that's yeah, like a British yeah. dish. Um, so their their one's one of the best I've I've tasted, but I'll definitely go and try try your one. Yeah, yeah, no, you should try it. And my whole meal was great. I would say the of the of the savory stuff, the the scallop, which was a be beautifully presented on a scallop shell. Um, it was it was like a crudo, but it was it was just Amazing. so fresh and delicious. The girls sitting next to me, like they were finishing their dinner and they ordered a second one at like the end no of way. their dinner. It was like that's so that's amazing. <laughs> it was funny. It was funny. I heard them doing that and I had ordered it and I was like, yeah, it was really it good. good. So, yeah. So it was, a, it was a great dinner. Um, the ambiance, as I said, it's, it's, it's a cozy tight space. It's got this bar up front and seats in the back. It has um, some ledges, like a ledge along the side and ledge, in front at the window with some seats. And so um, it's cozy. It's And it's a great spot to go solo or I say on a date, you know, or I know some of my friends who've been with a larger group or four or five and yeah. you can get a reservation and it could be fun, but it's it's not a That's big tough. restaurant. So yeah. it's kind of hard, it's, it's hard to get in. So going solo works. Uh, interesting tidbit. Uh, they had received one Michelin star and a James Beard award, which more on that in a minute. And um, 
I read that Murphy designed this space kind of like it was a recording studio with the uh, Scandinavian minimalistic touch and cedar slates in the wood. And so kind of, I don't know, with his making the sound like, uh, I don't know, something <laughs> with the sound making it great sound. Okay, that's all I'll say. I'm like butchering that. Okay, personal fun fact. So this la- last year I went to the James Beer Foundation Awards. I covered them, did my red carpet interviews. It's all on episode 328. And I went, in, when I was in the press room, media room, um, Justin Cherno from who's their wine director and partner. Uh, they won that this last year for the outstanding wine program. Wow. And I interviewed him and it's on this episode I did. So I, I, yeah. So I have a little connection with the restaurant. <laughs> it's amazing. They won. They won for the so best. 300. Wine. How many episodes have you done? 300. And... You're 347. That's wild. That's wild. For <laughs> I just keep going. That's incredible. Yeah. I started in 2014. Big congratulations. That's <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing I love thank it. you thank you okay just to wrap this up the cost was 91 dollars uh not including tax and gratuity would i go back yes website is fourhorsemanbk.com and instagram at fourhorsemanbk there you go um awesome. yeah natural wines i feel i mean i know we've talked this whole show about not drinking alcohol yeah but what's your take on natural wines because i feel there's two there's two parties there's the lovers and the haters <laughs> I, I don't okay. i don't i'm not a big uh my specialization in terms of liquor uh knowledge is definitely irish whiskey but <clears throat> listen my my whole philosophy is uh if there's a demand for something put it on the menu and if it if uh, you know what I, I don't really have any for for i don't know if, 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 if you're asking me an honest question i think the wine industry is very it has a lot of pretentiousness about it, when particularly at the higher ends of it, <clears throat> and it's the same actually with the Irish whiskey industry. When you go, when your knowledge becomes so vast, it, all these like crazy, like people get crazy over this stuff. So, but I, my whole all thing right. is like, if if you love it, fill your boots, you know. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I put you on the spot with that, yeah. but no, good answer. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> time for the final question. So my next guest, as I alluded to at the beginning of the show is chef and owner Selassie Atadika of Maduna, which is a nomadic dining concept in Ghana, Africa, featuring what she calls new African cuisine. She's also known for her artisanal handcrafted chocolates using Ghanaian cocoa and featuring the flavors and essences of Africa. Jack, can you please ask the question for Selassie? That sounds incredible what she's doing. my question would be, how do we, how do how do I get to your restaurant? <laughs> I, I like it's in, that. It's in Ghana. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that would be my question. I'd love to. I'd love. I've been to Zambia, um, and South Africa, but I've never been to the Ghana. Yeah. How can I get in? All right. I'll find <laughs> out. I haven't been. I've met. I've met her in person at conferences. I first met her at the Mad Conference yeah. in Copenhagen, and then I saw her a couple months ago at, in um, at Napa, the World that of Flavor Conference. incredible what she's doing. So yeah, her chocolate and, and everything she's yeah. doing. So I'm very excited to talk with her. Um, I think she's, we're doing it, we're doing it remotely. We're doing it remotely. Yeah. I think she's calling in from Africa, which wow. will be a first for me. Again, so. my big question, I guess, would be about the ethical nature of chocolate production, because I think we're I've only started learning about this myself. I didn't realize that chocolate production, similar to coffee, was was, was a lot of these industries were uh, were exploit exploitive. Um, so it's I'm, 
I'd be intrigued to hear her thoughts on on that and how that's developing and changing. Because if everyone, again, I only learned about it through uh, they've got that Tony's Chocolate Chocolate Lonely or the the American chocolate brand, um, and they talked about the ethical nature of their chocolate production and and that type of stuff. I actually read into it, and there's a lot of literature about how the chocolate industry is is again is it, 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 there's a lot of these injustices that are in the the, the supply chain and. And I think we've learned about all this through the pandemic. So I'd be keen to hear her thoughts on, on that. Cool. I will find out. Yep. Great. I'll find out both yeah. answers to your questions. Um, and that's the show. I, I, I feel I would kind of went over how much time I usually do for these shows, but I could talk with you, I think, all day. Uh, this is great. <laughs> thank you. And, and ditto. Um, thank you. Congratulations on everything. I look forward to seeing what happens over the next 10 plus years and longer <laughs> and all the above. And yeah, just congratulations. Yeah, I look all. forward to being on episode, what would be 700 at that point? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> and, and, and when I, I'm hoping to get out to Ireland soon too, Amazing. and um, I'll, I might be asking for some recommendations. Amazing. Well, we have many of them. Yeah, I'm sure you well, do. Thank you very much for thank having you. me. Thank you. My guest today has been Jack McGarry. He's the managing director of The Dead Rabbit in New York City. His website is deadrabbitnyc.com, and you can follow him at Jack McGarry1, like the number one, and at Dead Rabbit NYC. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at heritageradionetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. My new book, Chefwise Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World, with the publisher Fiden, is coming out this spring, and it's now available for pre-order at Fiden.com or Amazon.com. Please check it out if you like, and um, you could, when you go to these sites, uh, just you could type in Chefwise, all one word, and or my name, and you should be able to find it. So thank you. And um, thanks to my engineer today, Armin. Thanks again to Jack. Thanks to his team here at the Dead Rabbit. And thanks to his publicist, Gia. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with a new show. Hope you'll tune in then. And thank you, as always, for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food Radio, supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. <laughs>